Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Have you been blessed so far in the service? Wow. Welcome every one of you online, those of you listening to the service. And uh, I, I don't know how much of this is translating through to you, you know, online, but such a wonderful atmosphere here in the house, you know, and I know that there are some things that are better savored in the house, you know. That's why I want to encourage you, if you can be at church, do join us in person. But thank you so much for joining us online. I trust this atmosphere is flooding you, uh, your home, touching your heart as well. You know what? Right there where you are, no matter where you are, and uh, no matter whether you're watching or listening, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. And He also wants to fill your temple. I think what Paul shared is, is so important. You need to understand this. Sometimes we think that this is the atmosphere he wants to fill in this house. And yes, of course, he'll fill this house. But how does he fill this house? By filling us. Because we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Not this building. <laughs> you see, we are the temple. And so when he fills this house, these houses here, those houses over there, those at home, those wherever you are watching at work, whatever it is. Uh, well, you shouldn't be working and watching, should you? <laughs> anyway, but uh, wherever you are watching or listening, God can touch you and fill you right in. So just receive that anointing because it is so wonderful to be in His presence. And it is such a, a fitting day to sense this, to experience this, <clears throat> because we're talking about this today. <coughs> Excuse me. Today is the fourth of the big feasts of Christianity. We have Christmas, that's the first big one, and then Easter. And, and those are the two that everybody knows, you know, and everybody kind of celebrates that, whether you're a Christian or not. Uh, people like celebrating those two feasts. Then we have Ascension which has become a very low-key feast, and we spoke about that last uh, uh, Sunday. And then, finally, there is Pentecost, the fourth one, which is also not a greatly celebrated feast. I mean, you, you haven't heard of Pentecost trees, have you? Or, or, or Pentecost chocolate eggs, have you heard, heard about it? Maybe you should introduce those to make it a little bit more popular, you know? So it's not a, a very well-known, except... You know, it's, it's mostly known amongst the church, Christian church, because that's what the, the significance it has for us. It's exclusively celebrated among the Christian churches. But um, it is considered by many today, is considered by many as the, the birth of the church, because today is the day in which the gospel was first preached publicly 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Now, let's just talk a little bit about that word, Pentecost, because sometimes people, they kind of get confused by the word Pentecost. Some, some confuse the word Pentecost with Pentecostal, you know, that section of the Christian family, which is called the Pentecostal church. But Pentecost isn't the ownership of the Pentecostals, just like baptism isn't the sole ownership of the Baptist church. You see, as God has been restoring certain truths to the church, some church groups have emphasized one truth or the other as God has restored them. And so they've taken upon themselves that name. 
Like when, when the, the water of baptism was restored. You see, a, a lot of the New Testament stuff got lost as the years went by. And as, the, the, as history entered, the dark ages, a lot of practices in the church got lost. I think that's why we went into the dark ages. The word of God was removed from among the people. And only about 500 years ago, during the Reformation, is when these things began to be brought back to the life of the church. And so there have been these waves of, of restoration, of rediscovery. One of them was water baptism, and so the Baptists were pioneers in that. The other, at the turn of, of 1900 around, at the turn of that century, was the Azusa Street Revival, the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit, the speaking tongues and the gift of the Spirit were kind of revived back to the church. And, and that group of people were known as Pentecostals. But all these truths, they don't belong to any one specific group of people. They belong to the whole church. They belong to you and to me. It is God restoring truths of the Word of God back to His church. But the word Pentecost... Hasn't got any fancy meaning at all. Pentecost was a Jewish feast which happened 50 days after Passover. And that's why all the Jews were gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Pentecost means 50th. Penta in Greek means five. Those of you who know trigonometry, a pentagram is what? It's a diagram with five, a figure with five sides, right? Five, penta. So, Pentecosti is 50th, 550th, 50, 5-0. And it happened on the 50th day. Uh, the, um, the feast of the Jews at that time was a, a feast of harvest. Remember, they were an agricultural people. And throughout the Old Testament and even in, in the first century, they would come together and celebrate the harvest, particularly the harvest of wheat. It was the closing of the harvest. And on that day, they would prepare two loaves of bread. And in the morning, the priest would offer, they, they would do this, this wave offering to the Lord. These two loaves of bread were offered to the Lord in the temple as thanksgiving for the harvest. And so Pentecost simply means 50th. But for the Jews, it also meant the day they celebrated the day. It's a feast called Shavuot. And they still celebrate it today. Uh, they celebrated the giving of the law to the Jewish people. Because if you remember back in Moses' time, during Pente the, 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 the Passover was when the angel of death came over Egypt and the God's people were saved, and then they left Egypt. Fifty days later is when Moses went up the mountain, and God gave him the Torah, the law, the, the Ten Commandments, and all the other law. And from that time onwards, the Jewish people became a law-abiding people, the, a people committed to God, dedicated to God, and obeying the laws given to Moses. Many consider that day as the true birth of the Jewish nation. Because the whole, what, what determines, what defines the Jewish nation is this matter of obedience to the Torah, to the law of God. A people which is connected to God by the law and God manifested himself throughout the Old Testament in relationship to their obedience to the law. And so many consider that day when Moses, uh, that 50th day after the Passover, he, as the birth of the Jewish nation. 
And so that was a great feast for the Jewish people. And so on that day of Pentecost, Jerusalem was filled with people. Visitors, Jewish people and non-Jewish people had come from all over the place to celebrate Pentecost, to celebrate the harvest, and to celebrate Shavuot, the giving of the Torah. And the two loaves were being offered in the temple. And I'll, I'll share the significance of that just now. So that is the meaning of the word Pentecost, simply means 50th, and it was a festival given on the 50th day after Passover. Seven weeks plus a day after Passover. But that was a significant day. For the Jews, it had its own meaning. For us, it has another meaning. But let's start off today where we left off last Sunday. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts, or your devices, okay, to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 9 of Acts. Here we go. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both and to both do and teach. And when he's talking about the former account I made, here he refers to the Gospel of Luke. The writer of Acts is the same writer of the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke, he wrote both of these, and both of these books are addressed to this man, Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. So it must have been some guy who had an appreciation, either was a Christian or interested in the life and teachings of Christ. And so he wrote these two the books. Two books. And so he says, verse 2, Until the day in which Jesus was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, listen carefully, after suffering by many infallible proofs. So those who were following Jesus, they had infallible proofs. That he had come back from the dead, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, Jesus spent time with his disciples preparing them for what was coming, teaching them about the kingdom of God and how they should go on with the ministry. But it didn't appear just to the, the disciples, it appeared to many people. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when referring to this, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, that one of these infallible proofs is that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. So 500 people saw him simultaneously. And Paul says many of these are still alive as I write the book of Corinthians. So they were infallible proofs. Those guys in the first century, they had no doubt that Jesus was alive, that Jesus had risen from the dead. Verse 4, and being assembled together with him, he commanded them, he ordered them, okay, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. <clears throat> for John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time <laughs> restore the kingdom of Israel? When you send the Holy Spirit, is that when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, listen to this. Up to this point, now this is after the resurrection. Jesus has been spending time with them talking about the kingdom of God. And when he mentions that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them, what is their first thought? Nationalistic thoughts. Does that sound familiar? 
Are, are, are these guys' descendants still with us today? Where we think more about our nationality than the kingdom of God. Hello, church, I'm talking to you. What we're seeing in the world today is horrific. What we see in America today is horrific. Where people are putting nationalism above the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where churches are being split because of politics and nationalism. And this is causing waves around the world. Church, listen. Listen to this. These guys, they walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They heard from Jesus. And yet, when he says, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit, he says, Oba, is that when you're going to restore Israel? And what's Jesus' answer? He says, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, stop it. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power for what? And you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So power is not coming upon them, or upon us, for any selfish or nationalistic opportunity. (laughs) But that power is coming to spread the message of Jesus. What you and I need, what this world needs, is Jesus. Not more nationalism or more cultural or politics or stuff like that. The world needs Jesus because every nation, every culture, every people group is fallen. The problem of the world is sin. I don't care where you come from, what your nationality is. Your problem is sin. My problem is sin. And the only answer to sin is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Revealing us Jesus and doing his work in us so that we don't fall prey and we don't become slaves to sin. Amen? So that's what Jesus is calling their attention to. Well, I think it worked because after this, after the ascension and after the, uh, the, the, uh, after Pentecost, these guys went ahead with the gospel, not about anything else. And you'll see why just now. So nine, uh, verse 9, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of the sight. We discussed ascension last Sunday. But I want you to notice again, verses 4 and 8. Wait in Jerusalem for the baptism, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Don't go out. I've been telling you about the kingdom of God. You've got to go and be my witnesses. But don't go until you have received the filling the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you can go. When he says you shall receive power, the Greek word over there is dunamis. Dunamis. And that word means force, power, strength. That's the meaning of that word. Force, power, strength. To give you an idea of what is intended by force or power, dunamis is the root word from which our English word dynamite comes from. Now, you've heard about dynamite. Okay, it's only it's a small thing. Thin little stick. Okay, you get them different sizes. But even a, a, a small stick of dynamite, if that thing goes off, you better not be near it. 
Because that thing has power, man. Okay? And the Lord is saying, you see, I want to give you power, explosive power, to be my witnesses. Why? Because you and I cannot do it on our own. There are some things that Jesus requires of us that we cannot do on our own. We need the power, the strength, the force of the Holy Spirit. There are some of you sitting over here that your personality will stop you, will hinder you from doing certain things. Some people have a very much outgoing personality. And for them to come out and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? It's easy. But for some of us here, maybe you're watching as well or listening, you're an introvert, you're a shy person. Man, you die a thousand deaths before you approach anybody to say anything to anybody. Never mind approach them and talk to them about the gospel or about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit can help you to do that. I'm a witness to that myself. I, I couldn't speak three words in public without shaking and stuttering and going crazy. I couldn't face people. But once I got the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's not easy for me, believe me. <laughs> okay. But I can do it. I can talk here. I can go into a school filled with a thousand teenagers and talk to them. You know, it, it, but how do I do it? In my own strength, forget it. In my own strength, I'd be at home reading a book. I'd rather read about <laughs> evangelism than be out there doing it. But you see, the Holy Spirit enables me to do it. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. Because He does it for whoever is available, whoever says, fill me, Lord, and use me. Amen? All right. Now let us read what happened on the 50th day after Passover or 10 days after ascension. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now take note of that. One accord in one place. They were together in unity. The Bible says in Psalms, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. We even sing that verse sometimes. You see, according to Psalm 133, where there is unity, that is where the Lord commands His blessings. And so these guys were positioned for blessing. And that's why it's important for us as a church to be alert, to love in unity. Not to let the devil come in and put division between brother and brother and sister and sister and family and family. Be careful because that is his work. Because he knows the danger of people coming together in unity. Loving each other, accepting each other, encouraging one another. He knows where there is unity, God commands his blessing. We can sense his blessing. We receive his blessing. We learn, we grow, we sense that you are you know, together with the Lord. And so you need to look after that. And so they were like that. They were together in unity in one place. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, now watch, from every nation under heaven. Remember what Jesus said early on? Jesus is going to restore Jerusalem. No, he said, you're going to preach me. I'm the subject of the power you're going to receive. Now watch this. In Jerusalem, there were people from every nation under heaven. Under the known world in the first century, there were representatives there. And when the sound occurred, the multitude, all those people in Jerusalem that were visiting and that lived over there, they came together, they came out to see what's going on, and they were confused. <laughs> now, this is the reason why they were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in their own language. You see, languages from every known nation at the time. Remember, at this time, the Jews were under Roman rule. They had been under Greek rule before that. They had been dispersed already. And so by this time, there were Jewish people all over the world. And then wherever they were, some of the local people had embraced the Jewish religion. And so now, they had come. Representatives, individuals from all these nations had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And they were there dwelling over there when this event happens. And now suddenly, these guys from the different nations, they could speak those local languages, and now they hear these guys, the disciples, speaking in their language. Verse 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? In other words, Aren't these guys speaking, all people from the north of Jerusalem? You know, largely uneducated people, you know. And now they're talking so eloquently in all these languages. What's going on? Verse 8, and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now watch how many nations were there. Parthians and Medes and Elamites those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. You see, there were Jewish people and local people, Greeks, Romans, and other nationalities, which had converted to Judaism. They had come too. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues. The wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. Now you see, if you take all those nations, if you look at a map of the of ancient, a world map of the first century, you will notice that these nations, yeah, they cover basically the known world, just about the known world back then, surrounding areas around the Asia Minor, Europe, all those places are covered over here. Now, do you see the miracle here? Now, the power of Pentecost is not just in the unknown tongues in which they were speaking. Those guys spoke in tongues they did not understand. And later on, Paul teaches us that when we speak in tongues, sometimes we speak languages of men, other times languages of angels. In other words, sometimes we speak earthly languages, sometimes we speak heavenly languages. But the fact is, when we are speaking it, we don't know what you are speaking. Unless there's somebody in the room that understands what we say. 
But all we do is we respond to the Holy Spirit and we speak in tongues. But here's the miracle. Not so much that they were speaking in tongues, but the miracle was that the people from every known region of the world were able to understand what was being said in their own language. It was the miracle of communication. It was the miracle of knowledge. All of a sudden, people from all over the world were gaining knowledge about God because of what the disciples were speaking. They didn't know what they were saying. They were just speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Meantime, they're glorifying God. And all these people from different nations are listening and understanding and getting instruction, getting knowledge about God in their own language. It was a reverse of what happened at the Babel Tower. You remember there, the people, they wanted to be gods. And then they used to speak one language only in the world at that time. So God came down and he mixed up the languages. <laughs> Nobody could understand each other. Now, it does a reverse of that. Now, all of a sudden... These Galileans, which all spoke the same language, all of a sudden, they're speaking different languages, but they're magnifying God. They're exalting God. And people from all over the world now are receiving instruction. They're receiving knowledge in their own language. Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 13, but others mocking, taken out of that, others mocked. Mocking said, they are full of new wine. They are drunk. <laughs> All right? Anyway, now from Acts 1.16, we know that there were about 120 people gathered in the upper room. And then you know that after this, Peter comes out. Peter, you know Peter? The guy that denied Jesus just a couple of days ago. That was embarrassed to be called a disciple of Jesus, Peter comes out and in front of the same Roman soldiers, in front of the same Jewish priests, in, in front of a crowd of people, he boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people come to the Lord that day. You can read the whole sermon this afternoon or during this week. It's all there. Now, we know that for the Jews, the purpose of Pentecost was to celebrate the end of the wheat harvest, and to give thanks for the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. But what is the purpose and power of Pentecost for us, to the believers, to the Christians? Well, let's go. A couple of reasons. Number one, on Pentecost, responsibility was transferred to the disciples. Do you hear that? On Pentecost, responsibility was transferred from the disciples. Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit who would give them power. Power for what? To enable them to proclaim the gospel, to preach, to be witnesses. Enable them to continue the work which Jesus had been doing. Remember that until the ascension, Jesus had been the main spokesperson for his band of followers. He was the main teacher, the main preacher. Now and then the disciples would teach here and there, but throughout his ministry, he was the main speaker, the main teacher, the main preacher. Today, this whole thing gets turned around. Now he says, now you guys go. 
you guys go. I'm giving you the power. Now you go. That, it changes it, it change things around. So that day is the day that Jesus officially transfers to his disciples the responsibility of spreading the message of salvation. Pentecost is the day when God begins the process of converting the world to faith through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most important of all, Pentecost is the day when God decided the way in which the world would come to faith. The way the world would be converted. It would not be by the singular ministry of Jesus, but by the anointed and empowered efforts of every single person who calls themselves Christian. Did you hear that? The work of conversion is not the work of pastors, preachers, teachers, and evangelists. The work of converting the world is the work of every believer. Amen? Say with me, that's me. Okay? Don't somebody say, that's you. <laughs> okay? Don't think, oh, the pastor, he, he's the one in full-time ministry. He must all the preaching and teaching. No, 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 no. All of us. We come together to worship God, to learn, to be taught, and to be empowered, to go out those gates. The minute you go, walk out that gate, you enter your mission field. This is a safe space. This is our space. There where you're sitting quietly watching or listening, that's your space, safe space. The minute you walk out the door, this church's door or the door of your house, you enter your mission field. Sometimes your house is your mission field. <laughs> your family, your friends who come to visit you, that's your mission field. He calls all of us. You see, because friends, there are some people that you know at work, in your neighborhood, they will never, probably never come to a church. But they'll listen to you because you're there. You know them. They know you. They trust you. And you can start planting seeds. You can start watering seeds. Amen? We are all called to be part of this work. Number two, on Pentecost, <laughs> we went from observers to participants. Something happened to us on Pentecost Day. And it's still affecting us today, 2,000 years later. Okay? In the feasts of Christmas and Easter, we merely observe and we are grateful for what happened. No disciple was involved in the birth of Jesus, nor in his resurrection. Yes, God used willing servants like Mary and Joseph and, and others in the story, but all they could do or we could do was watch and be amazed. On Christmas, Jesus was born into the world and laid in a manger. There were no disciples present for that, present for that event. And what do you and I do on Christmas that is central to that story? Nothing. We just watch. We, we, we observe. And you go, wow, look what God has done. We don't take any part in it. On Easter, Jesus was raised from the dead, never to die again. Once again, there were no disciples involved in, in bringing that event to pass. No disciples got involved in, in getting Jesus back to life. No. And there is nothing for us to do in Easter. Again, except watch 
and be amazed at what God has done for us. Even in ascension, the disciples just watched as Jesus was taken up. There's nothing they could do to cause this to happen. And when we celebrate ascension, we just think back and we remember and we go, wow, only God can do this. <laughs> On Pentecost, though, all that changes. All that changes. Yes, God is involved. The Holy Spirit is there. But now the Holy Spirit gets involved with us and we get involved with Him. We have to respond, react, and do something. <laughs> you and I are called away from our roles as spectators into the role of central characters in God's work of redemption and salvation. As a result of Pentecost, we do not watch as somebody else is doing the work for God. We are being equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit so we can become actively involved in the work of the salvation and redemption of mankind. We don't save mankind. That work Jesus has completed. But we get involved in taking the message and facilitating people to come to know the Lord. As they watch our lives, as they see what God has done in us, as we share with them the gospel, then what happens is, they get drawn to Jesus. We can facilitate. We can help them. We can pray with them. We can lead them to Jesus. We can show them the scripture. We can teach them. Because all of us have something. No matter how, how little or how much you know of the gospel, if you know something about the gospel, you've got something that you can share with somebody else who knows nothing about the gospel. Amen? So on this day, we are invited to become actively involved. All of us become actively involved in the spirit hallelujah number three on pentecost we celebrate the role and work of the holy spirit of course the holy spirit is a central figure of pentecost he is the one who came so the purpose of pentecost is to remind every christian that even though christ died for our sins and that by baptism water baptism we accept that forgiveness of our sins there is something else each one of us needs to do Amen? Just said, believe and be baptized. Those two kind of go together, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't end there. After you've been baptized, you don't just sit back and say, okay, Lord Jesus, come back now, Lord Jesus. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm ready for you to come back. No, 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 no. If you are alive, if you are breathing, you've got something to do in this planet. Amen? Actively participate in the work of spreading the gospel. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. So we can do the work of discipleship that awaits each one of us. You need to invite the Holy Spirit. So, but that, isn't he there? Doesn't he cause me to go, isn't he when, when I receive Jesus? Is, yeah, he is there. But you see, we need to allow that anointing inside of us to flow through us and out of us. We need to invite him, not just to, to, to be present, but to be all over us, to guide us, to speak to us. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person, but he's a very gentle person. Someone has called him the shyest person of the Trinity because he's not, not imposed, he does not force. He's gentle. Huh? And he never draws attention to himself. On the day of Pentecost, who was the central figure spoken about? Jesus. Yeah, the Holy Spirit came upon them. There was the, the wind and the fire, and the tongues. But 
what were the tongues saying? They were glorifying God. The tongues were not saying, I'm the Holy Spirit, I'm the Holy Spirit, I'm here, I'm here. No, 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 no. He didn't even mention himself. He was glorifying God. When Peter comes out and starts preaching, and then from that day on, as the disciples and the believers went out preaching the gospel, what was their message? Jesus. And so we need to be aware of this person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not a force. Yes, he, he can cause things to happen. I'll touch on that just now. He can cause strange things to happen to us. And sometimes we can do things which we never thought we could do, especially in front of people. But we will do it. I'll get to that just now. But we need to invite him because we need his strength to do the work. There are some things that you never will never think of doing it on your own. And if I tell you, you, you can do that, you're going to say, I'll never do that. Mm. But you can. Not on your own. Don't even try it on your own. Remember when those, those, those guys in the book of Acts, they, they tried to get and cast out demons in the name of Paul's God, you know. <laughs> they got such a hiding from the demons. So unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, don't, don't try and do anything stupid, okay? Get right with God first. Get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then go ahead and do your work. Amen. Number four, on Pentecost, oh, this is important, guys. On Pentecost, we note that all nations were gathered. Okay? So the Holy Spirit chose this day to come and fill his people. A day when all the nations were gathered. That's the day that Father says, now is the time. That's the day that Jesus says, come, I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit upon you. And that's the day the Holy Spirit comes. Remember that list of nations I mentioned earlier? Every known continent, race, and ethnic group of that time was gathered in Jerusalem that day. Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, and Persians all were present in one place at one time. And God was doing two wonderful things at once. Number one, he was converting people of all the different nations who could take the message back to their respective countries and establish the gospel throughout the world. Isn't that clever? Yeah? Get all the nations in one place, give them the message, and when they go back, they can take the message to their countries. That's what he did. But number two, listen, he was establishing a church. Because remember, this is the day, you know, the Jews consider this day as the birth of the nation of Israel. Well, Christians consider this day as the day of the birth of the church. Because all of these people from all the different countries were listening. And all those people who were converted that day, many of them were representatives from all of these countries. So the very first Christian church that happened on that day was a church that welcomed and was made up of people from every race and region of the world. Hallelujah. You see, God wants a church which is inclusive of all people. And let's face it, throughout the earth, sometimes the church has missed that calling. Sometimes they've included one group of people, but excluded another. Sometimes the church only focused on one particular nation and ignored the others. But today we live in a world which is mixed. Pretoria is a cosmopolitan city. 
And then one, one thing I'm very glad, you know, uh, now it, it, there is room for single people groups. Sometimes you send missionaries to a particular people group. That is, they, they, that's the only nation that lives in a particular area. So missions will go there and plant a church over there. <clears throat> Our own church was started with a view of targeting Portuguese-speaking people because there was a need for a church like this amongst those people 35, whatever, 40 years ago. But even then, one thing I've always, you know, makes my heart glad. Even then, even as a, a single language group, we had different nations represented in the church. And very quickly, that whole thing turned around as we became bilingual and other nations began to happen. Even as we sit here today, we've got many nations represented here. Not everybody is South African. Not everybody is purely South African or purely Portuguese or purely this. We've got many nations over here. And I believe that, that's what God wants. Because he wants us to be focused and centered on him, not on our nationalities. I am first a citizen of heaven, then a citizen of my birth country. And if these two, if there's any conflict between my birth nation and the kingdom of God, guess which one wins? The kingdom of God, hallelujah. The kingdom of God, the principles and the vision and, and, and the culture of the kingdom of God trumps my nation anytime. Because what's happening on this earth shall pass. The kingdom of God shall remain. Amen? My president and my nation are not going to judge me. God's going to judge me. I better be okay with him. Amen? Hallelujah. Number five. Also very interesting. Pentecost is the day when gender walls seem to come down. Wow. As Peter began to preach, he said, Pentecost is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel who said, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Even upon your main servants and maid servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Joel 2.28. Pentecost is the day when God tears down all the walls of division in the world and in the church. In the first century, it was very much a divided world. Men were superior to women. Some races were superior to others. Certain social classes were superior to others. That day, God breaks this whole thing down. And we need to move on beyond the idea that God cannot use men and women in the ministry of the gospel. Paul went on to say, in Christ, there is neither male nor female, neither slave nor free, neither Jew nor Gentile, in Galatians chapter 3. The same Paul who commended Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 is also the same Paul that commended Phoebe, a lady, in Romans 16.1. In the times we live in, we are seeing God once again pouring out His Spirit upon our sons and our daughters. Hallelujah. And we need to embrace this aspect of the power and the purpose of Pentecost. Amen? And finally, number six, Pentecost reminds us that not everyone will accept us graciously. <laughs> Don't think it's because you come in the power of the Holy Spirit, people are going to go, wow, wonderful, I love you. No, 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 no. Notice that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there are some people who might laugh at you or look funny at you because of what you might start to do under the influence of that power or anointing. 
<laughs> when the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles in Acts 2, and they began to speak in foreign languages, some people accused them of being drunk. <laughs> Many people thought these guys were having a party at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it mean, seemed to the outside world, it seemed that they were babbling uncontrollably. And as they went out and, and preached the gospel, they were persecuted. They were imprisoned. Some were even killed. Stoned before the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will enable us to do the work of the Lord, but that work may not always be appreciated and could even be rejected and bring persecution upon you. But the same Spirit who gives us the power to do the work of the Lord also empowers us to remain standing in times of attack and tribulation and to go through times of rejection and persecution. In closing, Pentecost. Pentecost means that we are not spectators anymore. Amen? We heard today, we are called to work for the Lord. We are warriors. Yes, we are children, beloved children, but you're also warriors. We are sons and daughters, but we are warriors. And God wants to pour His love in us and more of His love in us because it is His love that causes us to do these things. The power of the Holy Spirit translates into loving others with the love of God, with the love of Jesus. God so loved the world that He gave Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ so loved the world, He gave His life. Hallelujah. And the gospel is all about love. And if you cannot bring this message in love, we are wasting our time. And so God wants to pour His love in us that we can love others and attract others to God through His love in us. We have been invited and empowered to be part of the action of making the invisible reign of Jesus visible to the world. Amen? May we all open up our hearts and receive the Holy Spirit and be continually filled with His presence. It's not a once-off thing. It's a continuous thing. You don't have one big meal once a year, do you? We need a continuous filling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You may not always look or sound dignified as you respond to His anointing. There are some people in some places where, where worship has, has become so structured, so ordered, and so intellectualized that any room for the free movement of the Holy Spirit has been removed. If you dare raise your voice or your hand, you are judged as being emotional. <laughs> but that is okay. As some saints of old used to say, I'm going to shout when the Spirit says shout. And I'm going to move when the Spirit says move. And I'm going to dance when the Spirit says dance. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> there was a, a sort of a lady. This lady should sit in the church. It was one of these very staunch, traditional, quiet church. And it, don't, don't make any noise. But as the preacher preached the word of God, she'd be sitting of the man. She gets so moved by the word of God. And, and, and now and then she just burst out, Amen, hallelujah. And everybody would kind of look at her and, and the preacher would kind of give her the stare, you know. And so one day the preacher approached her. He noticed that she, she needed some new shoes. And he says, my sister, can we make a deal over here? I says, what, pastor? I'll tell you what, next Sunday, if you keep quiet throughout the whole service and don't interrupt me when I preach, I'm going to buy you a new pair of shoes. Can you do that? Yes, Pastor, I, I think I can. Okay, I'm looking. I need new shoes. I, I'll do that, Pastor. Yeah, no problem. 
And so next Sunday came, and the preacher is hoping I'll be able to preach his message without the interruption of the dear sister. And so he gets in the Word, and he's preaching the Word, and preaching the Word. Just now the poor sister, she's, the Word starts moving in her, and moving, and the Spirit starts moving, and the Word is touching her. She can't contain more. Just so she gets up and says, with shoes or without shoes, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, every time I feel the Spirit <laughs> moving in my heart, I will pray, I will shout, I will praise, I'll do anything, man. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Paul said something interesting in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And I often ask people, why on earth would drunkenness and wine be together in the same verse as the Holy Spirit? How can these two things be in the same sentence? Well, Paul was thinking of the day of Pentecost, when people were filled with the Spirit of God, but others thought they were drunk. You know why? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit and wine can have a similar effect on people. It's all about influence. When you're drunk, you're under the influence of wine. And you're under the influence of wine, you will do things which you would not normally do when you're normal mind. You dance on tables and you speak out loud and you do funny things. Man, the only problem is when you're under the influence of wine, the next day, you've got to pay the price. The bubble, the headache, and all the embarrassment of what you did last night. But when it's the Holy Spirit, ah, because the Holy Spirit, it, it will also influence you. And it might cause you to dance on tables and shout and do certain things. But the effect is positive because it ministers to you and to people. Look what happened on the, on the, on the, on the, on the second chapter of Acts, on the day of Pentecost. They behaved to some people. They looked like fools the way they were carrying on. But look at the result. People got born again. People got saved. People got baptized. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. It started the whole movement, which is still going on today. And you and I are the result of Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. And so it's okay. Let's allow the effect of the Holy Spirit. Let Him influence us. Hallelujah. Amen. So let us open our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. So. Become aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And every time you feel the Spirit moving in your heart, well, pray. Ask God, what must I do now? What am I supposed to do? Just, 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 just go with the flow. Sometimes you might be instructed to pray for somebody. Sometimes you might be instructed to go and bring a word to somebody. To pray, to lay hands, whatever. Sometimes just to praise the Lord. To bring a message, like we've seen today. Bring a message or to, to share a testimony and then prophesy to the people. I was blessed this morning. As the Holy Spirit moved amongst us in worship to connect with Him, to sing in tongues or sing your own language, to make up your own words. It's all work of the Holy Spirit. So church, come on. Let us open our hearts more and more to receive the Holy Spirit and to do what He leads us to do. Become aware of Him. Amen. Ultimately, Pentecost happened to empower us to do what we would not naturally do in our own strength and abilities. So, may the Lord use each one of us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to continue His work on earth. Amen? Praise God. Come on, let's stand up, let's pray. Hallelujah. And as you leave here today, you're leaving with a mission. Today is a reminder that we are all on call. We are all on mission. Amen? 
as you go home, as you go to work tomorrow, wherever you are, school, gym, whatever, community, be aware. You are empowered. The Holy Spirit is in you. Be alert to what he's going to ask you to do. It might be a simple word of encouragement to somebody. It might be for you maybe even sitting at home and, and sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit and being led to intercede for somebody, Christian or otherwise. Respond to that. Pray. You might not know why you feel like praying for that person, but pray anyway. Pray for that situation. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you, connecting you to the work of the Lord. I desire to make a phone call, to send a message, to send a Bible verse. Respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Father, thank you that you sent that precious Holy Spirit upon your church. And he came to stay. Hallelujah. He's here with us today. Allow these temples, Father God. We pray that these temples, our bodies, who are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temples of the Holy Spirit, let them be filled every day, Lord, with more and more of your presence and your power, Lord God. Use us in your hands to continue to make visible the invisible reign of Jesus Christ, Lord. Continue allowing your Holy Spirit to change us as well, Lord, to make us aware of our little wrong conceptions and wrong ideas and wrong values, Father God, worldly values, personal values which are against your word, Father we want to glorify you, Lord. We want your kingdom to come first in our lives. Not our own priorities, our worldly stuff, Father, but your kingdom to reign. So I pray your blessing, Father, upon your people. Those here, those watching, those online, those listening. Lord, hallelujah. Release us with your spirit to do your will on this earth. That while we are here, Lord, we will magnify your name and expand your kingdom. To the glory of your name, Lord. So now, Mother, may the love of God, the Father, may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship, the companionship, the filling of the Holy Spirit be continuously upon our lives so we may be witnesses to Jesus wherever we go. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen. May the power of God be with you. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. God bless you. Amen. Praise God.